think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All gas, no brake. Three, two, one, five. And now we have liftoff. Welcome into the Now We Have Liftoff New York Jets podcast. And of course, I'm your host, John June. And of course, have to have my guy here, Frank Jim Piccolo. Frank, what is going on, man? Hey, John, how are we doing today? Man, we got a lot to cover today, bro. We got a lot to cover. Yes, sir. Absolutely. We have to cover some news, some recent news here with the with our beloved New York Jets. We've also get to have a conversation with DJ Bienemy of the New York Daily News. So make sure you stick around for that. We also announced the winner of the Wayne Corbett mini helmet in the giveaway. So, you know, excited to do that. First of uh, hopefully many giveaways here on the Now We Have Liftoff New York Jets podcast. And then we obviously have to break down the Carolina versus New York Jets football game that will take place here in week one. Zach Wilson versus Sam Darnold, the Sam Darnold revenge game whatever you want to call it. We're not going to call it that here. This is a, a New York Jets podcast, and so we don't hope Sandron gets any revenge here. But Zach Wilson, Robert Sala, Frank, how we feeling, man? Man, I'm, I'm feeling good. Like, I can't wait to see how these both of these guys respond, right? Like, Zach Wilson, for, first full week with a like NFL-style game plan where he doesn't have to worry about school and whatnot. And can Sala coach an overall team and not just a defense? No, absolutely. It's going to be exciting to see. I mean, to hear all Sala's talked about in terms of game management and what his role is on game day and the assistance that he's going to have to make decisions from whether it's analytics or, um, you know, having other coaches in the press box, helping him with challenges, all these different things, uh, To that's going to be – really interesting to see because we haven't really had a Jets coach that's really thought like that or operated like that. And to see someone who's really with the times here is definitely encouraging. So let's jump into the news. The first news item is that Shaq Lawson was traded from Houston to the New York Jets for a sixth round pick that was received in a trade, uh, you know, last year for defensive end outside linebacker Jordan Willis. To, who was you know acquired by the 49ers for a six-round pick. So Joe Douglas essentially flips Jordan Willis last year for Shaq Lawson this year. And this this signing is is you know people they you know they they point to the Carl Lawson injury and say hey this is for that you know two guys same last name even that's kind of interesting play the same position but they're not 
Shaq Lawson is not here to replace Carl Lawson. If anything, Vinny Curry, who you know recently he was uh, diagnosed with with some health issues, and he'll be out for the for the 2021 NFL season. I think that this in this signing is more, or this trade rather, is more about his loss than it is about Carl Lawson because you can't really replace Carl Lawson like we've talked about. What are your thoughts, Frank? Yeah, uh, bro, when the trade first went down and me and you were kind of working through it, why the Jets pulled the trigger, and I was like kind of wondering, I was like because Lawson comes from a lot of the 3-4 type of defensive schemes. That's what he was uh, drafted by Rex, ran that with Rex. Then he played in Miami last year under Brian Flores, and that's what they run. So when we were working through it, we kind of came to the conclusion that this is a Vinnie Curry similar type of body, that that strong bull rush type of presence, and not so much that speed presence that you're gonna we would have gotten with Carl Lawson. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, to your point, to your points about how Sha- Shaq Lawson was used, you know, I think. You know, Rex at the time in Buffalo was was a bit multiple. I mean, Brian Flores comes from the Belichick tree where they run a lot of, you know, 4-3. So he does have experience playing that 4-3 end role. That's actually where he excelled in at Clemson was as that 4-3 defensive end. Uh, so I think it's going to – I think it helps, right, to play that Vinny Curry role. Like we said, it's going to be this mosh posh of players that are going to try to um, take – take on that Carl Lawson loss, you know, between Bryce Huff and and now Shaq Lawson and and Tim Ward, who they claimed off of waivers from the Kansas City Chiefs, who they seem to like a lot. So, um, you know, going to be interesting. In other news, we had a player that was traded out of here, and that was Chris Herndon. Frank, you said it. Chris Herndon would not be on the roster. Um, I did not think that they would get the capital that they received for him sending Chris Herndon a sixth-round pick over to the Minnesota Vikings for a fourth-round pick. That's pretty good compensation, if you ask me, for a tight end that, while had a breakout year as a rookie, has not done much of anything for the last uh, two-and-a-half seasons. And so what are your thoughts there on that trade, uh, sending Chris Herndon to the Vikings? Yeah, bro, we've been saying that we said it all offseason, and Joe D, we trust. Like, it seems like every time – Joe Douglas moves a player out of New York, New York. He gets more than fair compensation. Trades Jamal for two ones, a player, a four. Sam Darnold, he gets two. And this trade, you know, we send Herndon and a six for a four. Like I told you, he must have something on these other GMs because I don't understand how a player of Herndon's caliber could, could get that compensation back unless these GMs are trading for potential and not actual value. Yeah, I mean, I the, the Vikings did have an injury. Uh, Irv Smith, their you know, star, I don't want to say star, but their second, third-year tight end who, you know, they were really counting on former first-round pick out of Alabama. They were counting on him to take over for Kyle Rudolph, who, you know, they they moved on from uh, and is now with the with the Giants. But they were they were counting on Irv Smith to, to be their lead guy at tight end, along with Tyler Conklin. And, and uh, Irv Smith suffered an injury, a meniscus tear, and he had to have surgery, and he'll miss the, 
you know, he'll be out for four months, so he pretty much misses the season there. So the Vikings were desperate. Uh, we saw what this contingent did a few years back when they had the suffered the loss of Teddy Bridgewater uh, in a preseason injury. They, you know, they end up trading first round pick over for Sam Bradford um, the year that they, the, you know, the Eagles drafted Carson Wentz. So this contingent has a a history uh, of track record of of being of getting desperate and making moves out of desperation. And I think that this one kind of just fits the bill. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not really, you know, I was surprised at the initial compensation, but then I, when I saw it was the Vikings, I was kind of like, all right, well, you know, that, that kind of makes sense. But anyway, let's move on to the giveaway. Let's do that here now. Um, so Frank, you know, why don't you announce this one here? Uh, you know, this first giveaway here of our Wayne Corbett, mini helmet yeah sounds good bro so the winner of the wayne kerbet mini helmet is mint at mint sports on twitter i believe that's one of your buddies john yeah eric mincer uh has been one of my you know, one of my uh, group chats where we share share one another's content. Uh, good guy, also a fellow Jets fan, so it, it's it's good that it stays within the family. Obviously, yeah, I'm, I'm happy about that. So, uh, yeah, man, excited that you know we were able to do this. We're able to, to do this giveaway. We we're looking forward to doing some more. Um, so who knows? You know, we, we might not. We'll we'll never know what we have on hand and ready to go in the queue until you are listening and following us at JR football nerd on Twitter at Frankie bots on Twitter with a Z and at liftoff underscore NYJ on Twitter. And then stay with us, subscribed here on the YouTube channel, subscribed on the podcast platforms, and you'll know exactly when we have our next giveaway and, and what it'll be. So um, with that being said, let's move on to the action. Frank. Hey, hey, John, I think we forgot to say this is our third first podcast under the pigskin podcast network this is our first podcast under the pigskin podcast network and so we're grateful for that as well i think we actually did announce that but this we is did. our first podcast under the pigskin podcast network so excited to have a home uh you know to have a network that was you know wanted saw us and wanted us to work with us and and um help us deliver good content so you know, we're just trying to make that good content great. And, you know, hopefully, you know, we're, we're doing that. So, you know, we appreciate all the support. And that's why we are looking forward to doing more giveaways because that's our way of, of kind of saying thank you. And so, you know, we're just going to continue to, you know, do the best that we can and deliver the best Jets fans podcast that there is in the space. And so that being said, Let's move on to what the Jets fans really came for. And that's to hear us talk about the New York Jets traveling to Bank of America Stadium in Raleigh, North Carolina, to take on Sam Darnold and the Carolina Panthers. And according to DraftKings Sportsbook, the New York Jets are five-and-a-half-point underdogs the over-under in this game is 45 points. Frank, I have to ask you, man, how are you feeling about this line? 
what are your overall impressions of the of the of the game and what what do you think the outcome here is i so normally they give 3 points to the home team for the line so i guess that's in the range of outcomes carolina has all these weapons and no one really knows what the jets are they're the youngest team in football to date and no one knows Salah as a coach, Wilson as a quarterback. They were 2-14 and 14 last year. And on top of that, the national media, for some reason, just loves banging on the Jets. Everything that they do happens to be wrong in the national media eyes. And you know me. I said it when we did the schedule that Lawson was going to get a strip sack of uh, – Sam Darnold, and yeah, I'm did. staying with it. I'm staying with it. Lawson will get a strip sack of Sam Darnold. That is, that is, you know, the way that that works out in your favor potentially here is is could be a good one. But for uh, I look at this game, man. I mean, the 45 points. I mean, obviously, Frank, you know, fantasy football is kind of my deal. So I, I, I am looking at these lines in terms of a fantasy football perspective. And this game is a sneaky good game, right? I mean, the New York Jets secondary, I mean, the obviously they're they're banged up at safety with Lamarcus Joyner. Marcus May is still is still there and he's healthy, but Ashton Davis is banged up as well. So they won't have him um, as he's on IR and their cornerback situation. You know, you got Bryce Hall, who started seven games last year, or six games, something like that. And then you move on to the the other side. And, we, I mean, we didn't even cover this, but bless Austin, who was surprisingly released uh, by the New York Jets, you know, a few days after cutdown day as well. Um, so it was a surprising release. But, you know, his spot is going to be taken by a rookie. And so you look at what the – Carolina Panthers are going up against defensively or from an offensive perspective with their weapons at wide receiver and DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson and talented rookie Terrace Marshall. I mean, I didn't even mention Christian McCaffrey at the backfield yet, but Sam Darnold is going to be surrounded by a ton of weapons. The defense is going to, I could see the defense giving up a, a decent amount of points here. And so I think Zach Wilson, you know, we're going to find out, you know, kind of early, what kind of, you know, quarterback or what kind of season we could expect from Zach Wilson because, you know, he's going to have to score some points here potentially in this game where, again, total sits at 45. I, I could see this game hitting the over here. I think pretty easily, too, if the Jets offense plays anywhere close to how they did in the preseason, I think – I don't even think it's going to be close unless – Sam Darnold plays like he did with the Jets last year. And I, I don't really see that happening. You know, I don't think he's a top echelon quarterback, but, you know, with all those weapons, the only thing with Carolina is that their offensive line is absolutely horrid. So if the Jets could get pressure on Sam, we know what happens when you get pressure on Sam. He tends to throw interceptions because just Sam's makeup, he's going to try to make a play. And sometimes if his feet aren't set, the ball becomes errant and it gets picked off. Yeah, no, definitely that's going to be in play here. And and so, 
that's why it's easy for me to see the Jets covering the five and a half here that that the DraftKings that DraftKings has, has laid out here. And five and a half is I, I thought this line was nice at four uh, when I when I when it had initially opened uh, to see it here at five and a half on DraftKings. You know, I'm not a I'm not uh, you know I'm not one to tell anybody what to do with their money or how to spend it. I'm just saying I put money down on this on the New York Jets to cover this five and a half point spread. But when it comes to the overall winner, um, you know, you look at this game, Jamison Crowder might, I mean, he's on the COVID list. Uh, so, you know, it's possible that he, he, it's possible that he could play being him being a vaccinated player and the way the protocols work out, he, it's possible. And he's not a, considered a high risk contact. So it's still possible that he could play, um, you know, obviously the Jets have some. The Jets are better positioned to handle a loss like this uh, this year than they are than they would have been in any other year. But between Braxton Berrios, Elijah Moore, Keelan Cole, there's enough guys here in this room to be able to 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 be able to get by for one game against the Carolina Panthers here. So hopefully, Jamison Crowder's healthy. Healthy. Hopefully, he can make it back. Um, but I don't think it's going to be. A, a, um, I don't think the Jets will sorely miss him if he can't go here. Uh, Michael Carter is on the injury report. Um, not sure, according to ESPN, not sure what the injury actually is, uh, but he's questionable. The Michael P. Ryan's questionable as well, dealing with a foot injury. They actually brought Josh Adams back off the active roster, uh, back onto the active roster, uh, from the practice squad. So, you know, he'll, he'll, uh, that potentially speaks to, P. Ryan's availability for this game this weekend. Uh, I will, however, take the Panthers to win this game. Um, Frank, what say you? I think the Jets are going to take it. I just don't. I just don't trust Sam Darnold not to make mistakes when it becomes pressure time. You know, we haven't seen Sam like when the pressure's on deliver and. We've talked about that to about in nauseam about why, but we still haven't seen it. So I'm interested to see when the pressure is on because I, I do think this is going to be a close game to see how Sam reacts. And from what we've seen, I don't think the pressure is going to affect Zach Wilson all too much, being that I think the Jets aren't going to make him do too much. I think they're going to be a lot of run heavy, a lot of screens a lot of wide receiver screens. I could also see a lot of jet sweeps with uh, your future wife. So Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore is not my future wife. I'm already married. And so uh, Bianca is a lovely woman and I, I am in love with her and, and not Elijah Moore in that way. But Elijah Moore. Are you not guy. in love with Elijah Moore? Not in that way. But you this sure? guy right here. This guy. That, that guy. <laughs> this guy. That guy. This guy? Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore is, uh, you know, definitely, you know, in position to make some plays here against this Carolina defense, uh, as is Zach Wilson, and as is his protection, Makai Becton. So, Frank, I think that's all we got here as it pertains to the Jets game. But – we have a little friendly wager here. 
on the season because we had to make this interesting. We couldn't just pick the Jets game every week. We had to pick another game. No, we got to make it interesting. No, have to make it interesting. So the deal is winner at the end of the season or loser at the end of the season has to donate some money. We don't have to say the amount, but some money to the charity of the winner's choice here. So we're keeping track of this. Jets game. I picked the Panthers to win. Frank picked the Jets to win. We each get to pick a lock of the week. And so we're taking that team straight up. No spread. No points. So, Frank, who's your lock? Now, I picked the Seattle Seahawks versus the Indianapolis Colts. And my lock of the week is the Seattle Seahawks to beat the Indianapolis Colts. You, we don't know if Carson Wentz is going to be playing. We're not too sure if Quentin Nelson is going to be playing. And I just think Seattle's offense is too good to weather that storm with a Wentz that is going to be coming off of surgery not too long ago. Yeah, so I I like I you know don't hate that one. Uh, obviously, you know that we were had a conversation prior where I picked Indianapolis to win that game. So I'm uh, actually rooting against you for both of your your picks here because I actually you know have different feelings. But are you rooting against me when Carolina plays the Jets? Are you actively rooting for Carolina? No, I'm not it kind of it. sounded like that's what you're saying. I guess it did sound like that, considering the outcomes here. But I'm, I'm, yes, I'm sorry, <laughs> destination. It sounds like I rooted against this, but I'm not rooting against this. You know where my heart is. But I'm picking the San Francisco 49ers over the Detroit Lions. Seven and a half point favorites on the road. It's okay. Kyle Shanahan is going to go in there and clean some clean some house. Yeah, I don't hate it. I don't hate it. All right. So with all that being said, everyone, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. And make sure you stand by for this lovely interview that we have with DJ Enemy of the New York Daily News. Peace. And now we're here with DJ Enemy of the New York Daily News. DJ, thank you for, for sitting down with us, man. We really appreciate you, brother. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing good, man. You know, I just got back from the gym. You know, I was doing back, straight back, nothing else. You know, trying to get my back right. You feel me? Because, you know, I had to carry Jets Twitter on my back this season. Did you know? <laughs> <laughs> I definitely, definitely hear that, brother. Definitely hear that. It, You know, uh, it's hard, man. You, you, we all cling to you, but at the same time, some, some Jets, some of Jets Twitter, we, you know, let's be honest, we can get in our feelings a little bit and, and, you know, sometimes – and especially the fact that you're a Dolphins fan, DJ, can't help. So I think it only hurts with, like, people that don't – I think it hurts more with people that, like, are like kids or, like, people that are younger. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't see people that, like, that understand that, like, I have a – I have to make a living. <laughs> I got to pay bills, you feel me? Like, you know, like, like people don't realize covering the Jets – you can cover the Jets, Giants, Knicks, Yankees, Mets, like, like you're that's golden. Like those are like golden opportunities. You can't pass that up because 
I'm a Dolphins fan or I'm a Red Sox fan or or I'm a Celtics fan. No, you don't pass that up. Like, you feel me? You got to do what you got to do. But um, for the most part, like, when I, when I went to training camp practices and obviously fans were there, um, like, some, like, you know, they poked fun at it, but it was all in, like, it was all, like, in a playful manner. Like, it was never, ever anything serious. So I think, like, like those few Jet fans on Twitter that um, take it a little bit more serious, that's not, like, that's not the majority. To be honest, like some, some those Jet fans that I met at the practices, they actually like I won't say they love that, but like that gives me like a different element uh, element that they actually appreciate. You know what I'm saying? Because like now we can have that like that friendly banter back and forth, but like what people have been able to realize is my work isn't affected by that. Like like I don't go out here and prop up the Dolphins. Example during the uh, you know right before training camp, I did like AFC East rankings. Like, I put the Dolphins first in zero categories. You feel me? I put the O-line last. I put the D-line, I think, third. Yeah, I put the D-line third. I put their secondary second. I put the receivers second. I put the running backs last. You feel me? Like, I wasn't out there fake propping them up. You know what I'm saying? Like, the work speaks for itself at the end of the day. And I I, I put Tua, like, I put Tua third. Like, I put them tied for second, but, like, 2A, 2B, and I put them 2B, you feel me? Like, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm going to still be objective at the end of the day, you know what I'm saying? I even put their linebackers third, so it's, you know, give or take. So Jets Twitter could be bananas out. sometimes, though. So. Yeah, yeah, sometimes, 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 but I always say once you lock the phone, it goes away. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yeah. That would that one had me rolling for sure. I mean, DJ, the thing we love about you, though, is that you, 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 you really talk about the game, and, you know, I've heard you you know, I heard you on the Badlands feed with, with Joe and, and Connor and those guys and talking about how you you're you're going to you're going to let the game tell you the story. You're not going to write the story itself or, you know, go outside of football because it's really about football and you're reporting, you're writing. It reflects that. And so we have to ask you about your background. I mean, it's not hard to tell that you played football back in your day just by some of the questions you ask in the press conferences. Yeah, you, you seem you are from Florida, correct? Yeah, from Miami. From Miami, you were on the Louisville University of Louisville track team. Uh, right. So you know you seem to be well versed athletically. Why don't you tell us about your background and, and how you got to covering the, the Jets today? Yeah. So like, um, football was my my first. Well, basketball was my first love, but I sucked. Um, <laughs> but like football became my my second love, and like that's when I grew like my strongest love for it. Coming out of high school, I didn't have any offers, so I went junior college route, um, and I went to like three different junior colleges: one in Arkansas, one in North Dakota, one in Cali. I'm um, just trying to find my way, you know what I'm saying? Um, so like I was just you know immersed around football, but then like my last year in JUCO, things didn't work out the way I wanted it to. But I ran track that previous season in 2015, so I just ran track again in 2016, and then I just ran fast enough to get a D1 scholarship, and then I just went to. Um, Louisville and I, you know, I ran, I ran track there and, you know, I talked to, you know, I made some friends on the football team and things of that nature, but like football was always something that I always wanted to cover. Um, I just love like the, the I love how complex football is, you know what I'm saying? There's so many angles that you can, you can attack. Like, like the Panthers week, Jets versus Panthers. Like we could talk about the Jets O-line versus the Panthers D-line. We could talk about the Panthers D-line versus the Jets O-line. We could talk about the cornerback, the Jets cornerback versus the Panthers uh, receivers. We could talk about the linebackers versus their running backs. You know, there's so many elements that we can dive into. Like everybody focuses on the quarterback, 
But like, unless you have like a Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady, not, not even Tom Brady to an extent, but like that Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, even like to a lesser extent, like Lamar Jackson, like guys that can literally like carry the entire team. Like it really comes down to like what's around the quarterback. And then, then, you know, that's when you usually see, um, like that's usually determines how teams win. Like if a team's good in the trenches and they come with a good game plan to consistently run the ball and play off of that, like play action off of that example, the Rams with Jared Goff, boom, they go to the Super Bowl. Then when teams start to catch up to it, you know, then we find out Jared Goff without that running game isn't as good. But there's so many like like the fact that it's so complex, like that's what always drew me to that. And I'm like, okay, this is the 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 sport that I want to cover. So um after I graduated Louisville, I started like covering Louisville football. So I covered Makai Becton's uh his first year playing at Louisville. I, I covered his first year there. Obviously we went to school together. Uh cause he registered my last year at Louisville, but then you know that that first year they went like two and ten. They were they were gone awful. Um they fired Bobby, all that. But yeah, I covered them, I covered Louisville Louisville uh basketball. Then I used those clips again to Columbia University, went to Columbia for about a year. Got my master's there. I didn't have like the quote unquote journalist journalist experience, so I needed like that that I guess that credibility per se. And then I started covering like high school and college in St. Augustine, like an hour south of Jacksonville. Because uh, in reality, like I, I was covering high school and a little bit of, like D two basketball, but like they were gonna send me to cover some Jaguar stuff anyway because they knew the Jaguar was gonna be hot in town. That's gonna be some something that they cared like people in the area cared a lot about in St. Augustine, which is like again an hour south of Jacksonville. So I was gonna cover football, pro level, high school, like that, that was going to happen. I already had, had the college experience. Um, and then obviously I broke a really big controversial Black Lives Matter story. And then like the New York Daily News since with their turmoil, turmoil that they had, like, it was hard for them to fill that spot. So then like eventually like, they, you know, I was able to come around and like they, I, they interviewed me. I sold them on like what I would bring to the beat. And here I am now. No, that's that's a phenomenal story, man. And definitely it it just kind of all of that kind of reflects in in the way that you carry yourself, the way you cover the Jets, the way you 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 know represent you the way you write. And so, you know, I, I definitely appreciate, you know, you keeping it um, you know, just keeping your personality, continuing to be yourself, you know, as you continue to cover the Jets. And so you started covering the Jets during the Adam Gase years. Is that correct? No, no, no. So like I got there, I got there in March. I got there in March. So Saul was already in by that point. So I, I, I missed, I missed most of um Adam Gase. Yeah, actually, I missed all of Adam Gase. I only, you know, watched him when I, you know, back in 2016, 17, 18. And he was uh the the Dolphins coach, but we're not gonna talk about that. But <laughs> <laughs> the time, I, the only time, you know, what I'm saying I had Eddie Adam Gase affiliation. <laughs> Yeah, we try to keep Adam Gase out of our brains. That was just such yeah. a horrid time period. Not trying to yes. to go through any more pain there, but so I, I just got to ask you though, DJ. I mean, being on the outside looking in, and now you are you know on the inside, you are on the beat, you're with them every day. What do you think is the biggest difference with the Sala led team versus the Jets from 2020? Yeah, they seem that there's a direction. You know what I'm saying? Like they got Joe Doug. I mean Joe Doug. Joe Douglas. He hires his guy, which is Robert. And he hired. They they both come together and they both get their quarterback. And everybody in the building was sold on. And it just seems like there's a plan going forward. You know what I mean? Like that's usually how a rebuild gets right. Like with the Buffalo Bills. You know, like 
yeah, the first year they went to the playoffs, but they knew they had to tear it down because it wasn't going to be sustainable. They tore it down to the bone. Then they went and got Josh Allen. That first year was rocky, but then they they were building. And I and I see some similarities to the uh, – someone about to walk in. I see some similarities to the uh, the Jets, you know, build up in the sense that they are um, – my bad. But, yeah, yeah, they're um, – my channel thought I got messed up. But they're building towards – like, there's a plan. They're building towards that plan. There we go. You know what I mean? Like, they, they're, they're building the trenches, O-line, D-line. And, like, we all know you cannot be a good – like, you cannot be an elite football team without that. Like, if your O-line isn't good, good luck. If your D-line isn't good, good luck. You feel me? So they are building that up, which is why they invested as much as they did in the O-line, which is why they invested as much as they did in the D-line. Um, and there's talent on both sides. Granted, like, some of it is raw, like, with on the left side. Like, that still needs to be developed. But, like, Elijah Ray Tucker, Makai Beckton, that's an extremely talented left side of the line. Like, even though, like, during training camp, like, we were kind of hard on Makai a little bit and we were just, you know, saying what we were saying, at the end of the day, he's still, like, immensely talented. He can still be a top-tier left tackle. Like, no matter, like, what what we said, like, we all know that that's that talent, which is why we kind of held him to that standard, you know? That, that was more of a standard thing. Like, like, you don't see us criticize Dan Feeney because we know what Dan Feeney is. We don't, we don't criticize GVR because we know what GVR is. Not saying GVR isn't good. Like, GVR is solid, but, like, we're not expecting GVR to be this all-pro right guard. Like, we know Makai has all-pro left tackle ability, which is why we were kind of – I think what we messed up at, we expected him to be that year two, when in reality he has that talent, but he still got to develop to that point. So, um, overall, though, I just – I like the way that they're building it. They're building it from the inside out. Uh, and I think Zach is in a much, much better position than Sam Darnold ever was, and I think that that's going to put them in a good spot long-term. Yeah, I mean, Sam Joe Douglas promised Sam Darnold protection and playmakers. Didn't have either one. Zach Wilson gets both apparently here. Um, but obviously everyone's talking about Zach Wilson. Everyone's talking about, you know, the big-name players. But who's a player that is probably going to have a bigger impact than Jets fans are probably thinking about? Probably Ty Johnson. Um, yeah, man, Ty, Ty Johnson for sure. Um, some people thought that it was going to be, you know, Michael Carter, or maybe some thought maybe Tevin Coleman. There were some people that thought, you know, it was going to be Ty Johnson also. Um, but I think Ty Johnson for sure is going to be a very effective running back in this system. Um, and I think that, yeah, it's going to be running back by a committee. But I, right now it's going to be Michael, it's going to be Ty Johnson, Tevin Coleman, and Michael Carter second. I think Michael Carter could jump into that second slot. But, man, like, this offense really fits Ty Johnson because, like, once he finds the hole he wants to go to, whether it's the A gap, B gap, C gap, it don't matter. Once he finds the hole, he can really, like, explode through it. Um, and, you know, granted, like, he he's not the biggest back. So sometimes when he has to run inside, he might not – it might not work out as well for him. Like, you know, a couple of times during the preseason game um, against the Giants and then the Packers when it was either the third down or the fourth down and, they you know, the run the running back dive up the middle. But that wasn't really his fault. Like there was some, there was some miscommunication among the uh, amongst the O line where like I think I think the Packers game, I think GVR and I think that might have been Moses. They doubled, they double team, they double team the three tech a little bit too long. Like they were both on them too long before they you know went and got the middle uh, linebacker, which is why the linebacker was able to shoot right through the A gap and get Ty Johnson. But overall though, 
like that won't be too much of an issue because this scheme isn't going to ask too much of that for him to be running, you know, up the gut and things of that nature. Um, it's going to be, you know, wide zone and they're going to, you know, he's going to pick which hole he fits, which hole he likes. And he's going to go through that one. And once he makes up his mind, he can really get North and South and, and he, he's probably the fastest running back that they have. It's probably between him and Josh Adams. He's probably the fastest one that they got. And he might not be the most elusive, but like he's like the combination of all the things that they need at that running back spot. So I think he could have, like, am I predicting a thousand yards? Nah, I ain't picking all predicting all that, but I'm predicting like a really good season for him, you know. Like, I mean his career had like 200, so I'm predicting like he can get like seven, maybe eight, to be honest. Cause um I do think this the blocking, the the offensive line run blocking, I think it's gonna be solid to good at times. Pass blocking, we'll see, but I do believe in their run blocking ability. So I think Ty Johnson is going to be is going to benefit off of that. So I just have to ask a, a follow up question to that because <laughs> I am also the host of the Fantasy Football Diagnostics podcast. So I, I do fantasy. So I got to ask you a question here about Ty Johnson because I, you know, I, I've I've got Ty Johnson littered on rosters. I just need to know will he play on? How much is he going to play on third down? Is he going to? Is he a threat out of the backfield? That's a that's a really really good question. My answer is I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that's a really good question. That's a really good question because you know my, I think Michael Carter is probably like their most like he's part of their most dynamic running back from a pass catching standpoint. I mean, because he made the most plays during training camp when it came to passing pass catching situations. Um, so that one we'll see, man. But I know when it comes to first and second down. He's going to be your guy for sure. <laughs> He's going to be your guy. Obviously, him and Tevin Coleman. But we'll see. I mean, yeah, that one we'll see. So if you're in a P, if you're in a PR, what's it called? PRP league? PPR. But it's okay. PPR. We'll get you right he, might not be, he might not be as, as valuable in that aspect, but he'll show, he's still for sure be your, uh, he'll be the number, he'll be the number one. Okay. Back okay. For sure. Well, yeah. we don't want to, we don't want to, we got to, few more questions here for you let's get uh let's get try to get through them here frank is gonna ask yeah no i mean like like yeah i know i know i said like 20 but like we we can go a little bit over that okay okay frank go ahead man i know you've been you've been waiting to ask this one yeah so so me and john are big fans of eric thomas when he talks about knowing what your why is and it's been said that zach wilson's family comes from money so that's obviously not going to be as much of a motivating factor but what do you think motivates Zach Wilson to be a good football player or the best football player that in his mind? Oh, I think what motivates him is I think just the desire to be great, you know, like like he doesn't have granted, like I mean, obviously he doesn't have like a rag to riches story, but like I think just his based on people that I've talked to, whether it's his training with John John Beck or talking to his coaching staff or even teammates or even childhood friends it just seems that he is big on just trying to be the best, which is why he's so addicted to film study and he's like a film junkie. Granted, if I'm being fair, um, that doesn't move me that much because I feel like that's like the standard. Like every great quarterback is a film junkie. Every great quarterback has that desire, but it's good that he has that, right? Because like if he didn't have that, then he wouldn't be great. He wouldn't have no chance to be great. You know what I'm saying? So I think his his it was his desire to be great. I think it just comes from the fact that, you know, overall he just wants to be the best. Like they could possibly be, you know, he grew up, you know, idolizing Aaron Rodgers. He is a lot of his game models after Aaron Rodgers. So um 
I think that's just, you know, that's what it comes down to. I think that's why he's so much in the film room. And, like, his IQ is pretty off the charts. I'll give him that. Like, his IQ is, is really off the charts just based off of the stuff I've read, the questions that he asks the coaches. So, yeah, I, I, that's the best way I can answer that question. No, yeah, we're we're obviously big fans of Zach Wilson here. I mean, he's he's bought we bought more we bought in more and more with uh, every week that passes by here. But I got to kind of ask you about another guy, Elijah Moore. You you obviously you were tweeting about him basically all summer. I had to turn my tweet notifications on just to see what you were going to say. Elijah Moore did next. Um, you drafted him in fantasy recently. So yes. how is he? Is he truly special? And what kind of year can we expect from him? Yeah, he's special. Um, he's special. Like that talent is there. Like, like, cause the number one thing I look for for a receiver is his separation. Like, how how much space can he create for the quarterback? And that's his number one trait. And he's fast, so it's not like he's just quick. Like, he's not like a Cole Beasley or a Braxton Berrios or a Jameson Crowder type slot where like. They can create separation because they're quick, but like like they're not that fast. So most of their work is always going to be in intermediate range or like short short range. Nah, he can really like you know get in and out of his breaks, and he could and he could take the top off. Like he can really stretch a defense, bro. I'm talking about like all the time. Like throughout the first before he hurt his quad, he was making a play almost every single day. Like almost every single day. I remember there was one play that, that that will stick in my mind. That just showed how much of a much of a zone he was in. Um, I remember it was during like a move the ball drive, like move the ball period. It's before I think before the scrimmage, actually. Um, and I remember it was a play action. Uh, and I think Tyler Croft had like an over route. But like, and I and yeah, he had over route and uh, Elijah Moore had a post. I think they were like uh I want to say 21 personnel. Yeah, they were in 21 personnel, and obviously Tyler had the over. And then, like, Zach gets pressure, he throws it over. Tyler Croft goes over his head, but Elijah Moore just happens to be right there and hits him dead in the chest. And that just showed, like, how much of a zone that he was in. You know, like, there were days where it didn't matter who was on him. It could have been Bless. It could have been Bryce. It could have been Brandon Eccles. Like, like guys having good days, they're, they're breaking up passes to get in front of Elijah Moore. But, you know, might as well make the play. I remember another thing I remember, it was like they're doing one-on-ones. It was, I remember, it was like the first day. It was the first day they did one-on-one. Actually, Bless lines up with Elijah. Elijah beats him off the line, like creates separation, deep ball. Zach underthrows it. They come right back again, and they run the same play again, one-on-one, fade route, beats him. This time it's completed. Like, it, like it just didn't matter. And as y'all saw, whether it was through Twitter or maybe y'all at the practice, the day where, you know, the first day that Jet fans could be there, and boom, 80-yard touchdown to Elijah Moore. Zach throws a beautiful ball. You know what I'm saying? Like, Elijah Moore, his skill set, he has good hands, quick in and out of his breaks, and he's dynamic after the catch, and he's fast, man. Like, he's really fast. So this year, I don't know if he'll be, like, the number one, because anyway, this is a business. Like, we always got to remember that. Corey Davis is getting paid $10 million a year. So <laughs> they're going to make sure – he gets his, you know, he gonna make they're gonna make sure he gets his numbers, he gets it so they can justify why they pay Corey Davis the money. Cause then this is a business, so I got I completely get that. So I think he's gonna put up numbers and Corey's gonna put up numbers. I think Corey should cross the thousand yard mark this year. And I think Elijah should be like around the expectation wise, I think he should be around the seven to maybe nine. Seven to not let's go seven to a thousand. But 
if he has a Justin Jefferson year, I wouldn't be shocked. I'd be like, oh, I ain't surprised. What he was doing in training camp, I ain't shocked at all. All right. Uh, I'm, we got to hurry up before I get a little too excited on the podcast here. We're on YouTube. <laughs> Try to keep it family friendly. So we got to ask you, Frank's going to ask you this next question, but Frank, why don't you go ahead, man? Sure. The Jets got one of the youngest teams in the NFL. Do you think that the Jets will ultimately benefit from playing all this youth? Benefit? Long-term, yes. Absolutely. Yes. Perfect example. Do y'all remember the Dolphins of 2019? They played all those young guys. They looked like dog shit. And by the end of the year, they started to look better. They went five and four at the end of the year. And then next year they won, they went 10 and six. Now we'll see if they can take the next step. I don't know if they can, but again, like you saw what playing young guys early, what, what that did for them, for that defense, for that offense, et cetera, et cetera. Same with the Bills, same with similar situation because Josh Allen, like he peed, like it was, it was kind of young around him um, from offense and defensive perspective. And then that, that 20, I think 2019 year, they make the playoffs of them, you know, last year, obviously we, we saw what happened. They became, what we all never thought they would have become. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I think they're going to most definitely benefit. You got to remember, Robert Sala comes from the his first, like, well, his first tree is the Gary Kubiak tree, but he also comes from the Pete Carroll tree, you know? Like, that. that's more of his tree. Like, yeah, he has some Kyle Shanahan and he has some Pete Carroll, but he really cut his teeth in when um he was uh, in Seattle. So... I think, and you remember in Seattle, he was there when they went to Super Bowl back-to-back time. So, like, we saw what that team was extremely young. Richard Sherman was young. Earl was young. Sherman was, um, I would say Sherman. Russ was young. Um, like, Baldwin was young. So, he so he's seen what that can do long-term. And, I, like, I, I agree with the approach overall. Like, even the cornerback spot, like, like I remember over the offseason, a lot of people said, hey, go get Steven Nelson or go get a cornerback. Like once they in the draft, once once they made the decision, we're going to need to focus on building around exactly with our early picks and getting premium talent. I was all right. That's fair because at the end of the day, like, like you know, this rebuild comes down to Zach. So if Zach works out, then like we can worry about everything else later. And you know, um, I remember people say bringing Stephen Nelson, and, and we saw him in joint practices. He was getting cooked by Elijah Moore. So um, it's not like you know he would have made that. He would have made so much of it, like some difference. Um, because all the spots are young, uh, uh, much more raw. But again, like it wouldn't have been like a significant boost to where like the cornerback spot is still, you know, the cornerback spot is in a better spot. Like let's be real. Like if you the Dodgers Jets had Stephen Nelson right now, would you still would you feel comfortable about them going against DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Terrence Marshall? No, you would still not be uncomfortable. You would still be uncomfortable. You what make you comfortable because you got Stephen Nelson, you know what I'm saying, and uh, uh, Bryce Hall to go against Robbie. DJ Moore and Terrence Marshall, you would be more comfortable. Like you'd be like around the same boat. You'd be a little bit more comfortable, but in reality, you'd be like, that's still a mismatch. So yeah, um, yeah man. So like playing with the playing the youth, because you're gonna find who who can play, who can't play, and then you can move forward with those guys. And then you know they're gonna have cap space. And then you could bring in some veteran guys or some older guys and surplus, you know, add to that talent and go from there. No, definitely agree with that. And I think that's kind of how we feel. That's why we call this the Now We Have Liftoff New York Jets podcast because we feel like it's it's actually taken off here. And, and you know, t- good times are coming, man. But, DJ, let's jump into this rapid fire, man. I'm excited about this one. 
let's see what we can uh what we can get here from you but starting now Jets will win how many games in 2021 how many games I got from like five to six um yeah I got like around for five to six um I feel like they went five games that's that's the end exact looks good that's a win because the Cardinals their first year with Kyler they won I think four or five games and like, but they knew they had, they knew they had a franchise quarterback. And then last year, they obviously they went eight and eight. They faltered towards the end. But I mean, you know, like that was still a success because, you know, it's not, it doesn't happen overnight. So um, I got like five to six wins. Jets offensive MVP will be. MVP. Okay. So most valuable, I'll go Corey. I think Corey's going to be able to provide that security blanket that Zach needs game in and game out. So I, I'll go Corey for sure. I'll go Corey. Jets defensive MVP will be? Oh, I mean, I just did a feature on him, so I got to go CJ Mosley. I just did a feature on him, so I got I got to go CJ Mosley, you know. Um, I feel like he's going to be able to – I don't, I don't think the Jets defense is going to be good this year because just there's just too many holes and not enough talent to overcome those holes at other spots. But I feel like it won't be bad, and it's not going to be bad because you're going to have Quinn and you're going to have CJ, you're going to have Rankin, you're going to have May. And I feel like CJ is going to have is going to be the guy really directing everything. Because think about it, like I mean, he's not. I don't think he's the oldest guy on the defense. Obviously not, but like he's going to be the most accomplished, the most experienced. Basically, I won't say the best. I think Hughes should be the best player on defense, but like he's gonna be able to he's gonna be the best. He's gonna be able to galvanize everybody um and point everybody in the right direction and at least um keep things afloat. Jets most improved player is oh Ty Johnson. I mean, come on. The guy had 200 yards last year and he's probably gonna have a really good year this year. So most improved player, without a question, is Ty Johnson. It'd be between Ty and Bryce Hall. I gotta see Bryce Hall. Um, against other guys, but yeah, Ty Johnson for sure. Jets week one starting cornerback will be cornerback. Oh, y'all putting me on the, y'all putting me on the spot. I think Gidry, man. I think I think based off of what Robert Sala has said, I think that um, it's gonna be Gidry um, because I don't I don't feel I don't think you make that move. I don't think you cut Bless because Bless, even though he's not good. Uh, I, I mean, starter is I mean, solid is stretching it, but like again, like he has experience, the most experience, and he had a better camp than Echols and and Isaiah Dunn. Echols showed more promise, but Echols at the end of the day was always going against number two. Bless was at the at the worst was going against number ones, and we saw Isaiah Dunn. Isaiah Dunn usually has good coverage, like he you know he can press, get stay on you know stay on on receivers' hips. Um, get you know, get in out of breaks, get out of his breaks well. But like when it's time to make the play, when the ball's in the air, he struggles. So, um, I think it's gonna be uh, Gidry based off of the fact I asked him. I asked him after the Eagles game, yo. So, could is there any situation since you think Michael Carter and Gidry are NFL stars, you could throw one of them out there on the outside? And he said, yeah. And now Bless is gone, and. Think about it. We were like, oh, so it's going to be between Eccles or Isaiah. And he was like, oh, no, Gidry's in there too. So they probably just want to see what it looks like. But I think I think they're going to go Gidry. If they don't go Gidry, I think they go uh, I think they go Eccles because they haven't seen 
Eccles against like they haven't seen Eccles with the ones in a game like situation. They've seen that with Dunn, and they know probably they probably think Dunn still has some more work to do. So, but I'll, I'll, I'm gonna try to find out before the game. I'm gonna try to find out before the game. We got two more for you. One is non-football. Best rapper alive. Best rapper alive right now, Kendrick. Kendrick. I mean, on Twitter, I'm gonna say Young Thug though. But on, on, <laughs> on, on, on my face is on camera. I gotta say Kendrick. But on Twitter, I'm gonna say Young Thug for sure. <laughs> More passing touchdowns, Week One. Sam Darnold or Zach Wilson? Oh, I think I think it'd probably be a tie. I think it'd be a tie. I think it'd be, I think they both probably get like two. The the people on the beat, some people on the beat think like Sam Darnold is gonna throw for like three hundred, maybe four hundred. I'm like nah, <laughs> nah. Cause see, I mean, see, McCarthy's gonna do his thing. So I mean, McCarthy's gonna McCarthy's gonna be able to have some success. So um, yeah, I think it's probably they both probably at two. Yeah, probably probably at two. So even. all right, DJ, we uh we will wrap it here, but but. We appreciate you coming on, man. This was a lot of fun to be able to sit down and talk Jets with you, man. And, and you know, hopefully we'll get this opportunity to do it with you again. But um, good luck this year, brother. We'll, we will definitely be enjoying your work here because we are big fans over here at the Now We Have Liftoff New York Jets podcast. But, uh, DJ, we appreciate you, man. No problem, man. No problem. You know, just hit me up. You know, Zoe's got to stick together. You know, Haitians yes, got to stick together, brother. So, you know, if you, if you ever need me on again, I'm here. <laughs> absolutely brother we appreciate that man and, and frank you 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 can get in by initiation bro so we got you <laughs> yeah, most, definitely. most definitely appreciate you having me on john and frank thanks dj Wait, so john hold on hold on so john is it is it jean or is it john john jean <laughs> okay all right, all right so is it jean jean or is it just john jean <laughs> 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 well, DJ, bro, we appreciate you, man. But have a good one, brother. And we are out of here, man. All right, no problem. Appreciate you having me on. <laughs>